One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Again, thank you for coming. Um, we've got a, a really great lineup today. Um, Justin is actually out of town. He's in Saudi Arabia, I think. Is that right? Dubai? Is that Saudi Arabia? No. Beirut. He's in Beirut, Lebanon, and he is out there with a group of other pastors and we're, he, that are talking about planting another church in that area and just some other areas. So it's kind of a great opportunity as we're here celebrating to hear from some of our other speakers. We're going to have Steph is going to be preaching today. Come on, give her a round of applause. I'm super excited and challenging her not to be nervous. We've got Jarrett. He's going to be preaching today. He's going to be sharing the word with us. Come on. And then, of course, I'll be up here as well. I think these two might be the more exciting part, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking today out of Acts 2, which is um, basically kind of the start of the early church. It's what, what we want to call maybe church in the raw. And so in that time... Uh, Peter is preaching right after the crucifixion, right after Jesus ascends into heaven. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes on the church, on, on Peter and the disciples. And out of that, Peter preaches to a large crowd of thousands of people. And 3,000 people are saved in that midst. And then there's this transformation process that takes place. And really kind of like the founding point of the church happens in that moment. And so what we're going to be talking about today is some of those principles and some of those things that make us who we are as believers. And I think it's kind of cool to do that on a day like this because we don't have a building. Things and the processes are different. But those principles that um, make us who we are are still the same, regardless of the place and regardless of the situation. Amen? So it's a cool opportunity just to kind of talk about that verse. And so to start us off today... I'm going to ask Jarrett to come on up. He's going to start us off. He's going to kick us off. And each one of us will be talking about a different aspect out of Acts 2. I believe, Jarrett, you're going to be talking about fellowship and community. Cool. All right. So before I pass it off to him, I know that afterwards we were scheduled to have a picnic. I don't know if people brought their lunch because of the weather. But be prepared afterwards for opportunity to do that if you want to stay. But I'll pass it off to him. Let me pray for Jarrett. Lord, we just give you uh, honor and our praise. Lord, I just pray your spirit be over him. You open up his mouth just to declare the word to us. Lord God, to, to share what's on your heart through him, Lord. I pray you just give him peace, Lord God, and just uh, give him wisdom as he shares the word with us. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, guys. Um, so Justin asked me to speak for eight minutes. So uh, I said I'm going to shoot for four um, and so the topic that he asked me to speak on was community in the raw, which, like Nate said, is like kind of a perfect week being out here. We have kids running around, and nothing's real, like, put together. It's just kind of raw community, and I think this is exactly what it is that um, we're talking about when we say community in the raw. So, um, you know, I think this is kind of a difficult topic for me because I've learned a lot over the last eight years as Justine and I have moved here and kind of gotten settled into church and you know, things with the business and with our family. I've learned a lot because I um, was not somebody who really wanted community when we moved here, to be honest with you. I was kind of like, well, you know, just me and my house, and that's what I need, that's what I want. 
And um, I've learned over the last eight years how much I actually depend on and really need community. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I wrote down a couple things that I think community is and what it isn't. Uh, because sometimes I think growing up in church, we think that community is like a Bible study or just coming to church on Sunday, but that's not at all what it really is, or at least that's not where it ends. Um, so community is not an organized Bible study. It means you can drop by unannounced. Community is not clean and tidy. It's messy and knows your business. Um, community means sharing your problems and listening to others and looking for ways to help with theirs. Community is loyalty. It is not just for a season. Community is not leaving when things get rough, but when it, running towards the problems we all have. Uh, community is personal, even private, and doesn't share each other's secrets or ruin trust. Um, yeah, so, you know, as we have the kids running around here, I was thinking, Justine and I, we've, over the past couple years, have, we've moved into a new neighborhood, and we've developed really close friendships in our neighborhood. And one of the things that we've really learned is that if we try to always have dinner cooked and prepared on the table at a certain time and everything's perfect and orderly and organized. We'll never have people over and we'll never want to go over to other people's houses because it feels too formal. So we've kind of realized that what we need to do is kind of, in a sense, let our hair down and just be who we are and just have people over, whether we have dinner ready or not. Maybe we don't even have any dessert or whatever. It's just very informal. And we've developed our closest friendships around that theory of just being who we are and letting people see us. You know, our kids are dirty and messy and have dirty knees. And yesterday, Dylan and Ruthie, who live in our neighborhood, dropped by unannounced. And it was just, or it was, is chaos, you know, like, a, like it is a lot of times. Um, but we've really developed our closest friendships with that, um, you know, happening. And just as life continues to go on, we're busy. I think most of the people in this church are young families, young people that are just in like the busiest season of life. And if you try to make a, a big organized schedule and calendar event for it, you'll never get around to it. So we have to just do our, our lives and invite people to kind of see us and, and to, to be a part of theirs. Um, you know, I love it when biblical principles are backed up by science. I went to school for psychology, and I always am interested in how humans work and what makes us healthier and happier uh, and what gives us less anxiety. Uh, there's a study called Blue Zones, and if you haven't heard of it, you should go and look it up, Blue Zones. There's YouTube videos talking about it. And it's where they research places in the world where people live to be over 100 years old as an average. Um, there's a place in uh, Okinawa, Japan, I think Sicily in Italy, and there is even a place in California here in America. And what they found is, like, these people aren't ultra-marathoners. They're not fitness freaks. They're not uh, crazy diet nutritionists. They are regular people who have two things. One is a sense of purpose, and the second is a community. The community they get together with at least one time a week, and they share their deepest and most intimate problems and successes with that group. Uh, those people, a lot of times they, um, I forget what they called them, but there was a couple examples that they gave in this talk that I had seen, uh, where the average age was like 103 years old of this group of women in Okinawa, Japan, and they would get together every week, and they said their purpose for living was to see their great-grandchildren grow up and get married. And I thought it was so cool, and they like had this shared purpose and mission together, um, but they just kind of were in a community, and they were talking about how they shared their deepest secrets with each other, and that was where it stayed was inside of their walls. And I think that sometimes um, we need more of that. We, we need sometimes a little less 
formalities around getting together, and we need to just get together. Um, so, uh, you know, a couple of Bible verses to, to cite. Uh, that One of Justine and I's favorites is, a cup of soup with a friend is better than steak with someone you hate. Um, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And, uh, you know, having three older brothers, um, I definitely relate to that. Me and my brothers get together normally a few times a week, and we work out together, and we talk about things that are bothering us, things that we're happy with. And um, I would just encourage you guys to do that. So I wrote down here a couple uh, steps to build community for those of you who might be like I was and feel that either you don't have time or don't need it. And I would say this particularly applies to men because we tend to think that we are an island and we are all we need, Uh, but you're not. Uh, So how to build community. Find someone to invite over. Maybe you have a shared interest. Find that person and invite them over. Step two, don't clean up before they come. Step three, take your shoes off while they're there. Not their shoes. Take your shoes off. And kind of just stay a while. Uh, Be open and honest. If you're not feeling talkative, don't feel that you need to be talkative. If you're feeling loud, then talk. You know, be who you are. I think uh, feeling that we need to act a certain way around other people is the worst interference we can have with building true community uh, because we feel like we have to be fake And that's exhausting. Uh, Step four, repeat until you are close friends. It will help you to live longer and be happier. That's it. And now Stephanie is talking about word. The word. Please don't judge my outfit. Um, I'd like to thank Tony for helping me stay warm this morning. Um, Tony brought gloves. And, oh, thank you. Woo! Um, And... uh, this nice blanket that I'm using right now. So I would put the, the hoodie up, but I'm like, my, yeah, my cape. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. It's my cape this morning. But that was really good, Jared. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, so I get the privilege of talking about um, the word today. So um, I just want to turn to Acts 2. And if you have your Bibles, please go there with me. All right, Acts 2, um, starting in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is the description of the early church. And this is what um, God wants for us today. And we can have that today. Um, And one of the things I'm going to talk about is the word and being devoted to the word. So what is the apostles teaching? Just take a moment to think about that. What, when they were devoted to the apostles teaching, what did they mean by that? It's Jesus. 
that's the apostles' teaching. So the apostles were teaching about Jesus's life, his character, his will, um, his what the words that he spoke, his teachings. And so that's what they were talking about. Um, that's what they were teaching the community, and that's what we should be devoted to. We should be devoted to Jesus, to his words, um, to his character, to what he says, um, to his um, just his working in our lives. And he's left us a really practical way to know him, and it's the Bible. The Bible is really the most practical thing that he's left us so that we get to know who he is. Um, we get to know more about his life, his character, what he says, what's the truth. You know, right now in our, in our day and age, people are searching for truth, right? Um, it's all about your truth and what's true for you. But truth is found in Jesus and what he says. And his word contains that truth. And so we can have lots of opinions. And I don't think Jesus is put off by our opinions. But as followers of Jesus, his opinion should be our opinion too. And we should be guided by what he's saying. So that's what, got, that's what should guide our lives. And self-help books are, they're okay, but they're not eternal. Not like the word of God. This is the best self-help book that we can have, really. And it's not to say that we can't read other things, but if this is not first in our lives, then it's really easy for us to deviate. It's really, for us to, it's really easy for us to be in anxiety. It's really easy for us to be swayed by other things. And God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to be rooted in his word, rooted in who he says we are, rooted in who he is. So we study the Bible because it's about Jesus. And um, I just want to read a few scriptures. And I would, doing this, I would be doing this teaching no justice if I didn't have the word. And, and so that's why I have some notes, guys. Um, so John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love what it says in that verse where it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light that we have in our lives is the life of Jesus. He's the one that brings us life. He's the one that causes us to be light in the world. And he's the one that transforms us. And so we as believers and followers of Jesus want to follow, follow his storyline. We want to be part of his story. And he's writing his, he continues to write his story now in our lives, through our lives, in the world around us. And so we want to be part of that. The Bible is the inspired word of God. And so everything contained here is life. It produces life in us. That's the light that we have. And it's because it's the life of Jesus that we see from the beginning all the way to the end. John 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in all of its fullness. This is Jesus talking. He wants to give us life in all of its fullness, not just part full, but all of its fullness. And so really, it just we just need to start by getting to know who Jesus is. 
and there's so much to know about him. Um, he tells us about him in his word, and that's how we grow deeper. That's how we become stronger. That's what changes our lives, and that's how we can change the world around us is knowing Jesus, and that's where it starts. And how do we know Jesus? Practically, we start by reading the word, and that, that's how he shows us who he is because he doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the word says, right? So what he's like is always what he's going to be like. And his, this word, this very word is what he shows us. He shows us who he is. He reveals his love for us. So um, I just want to take a moment to think about the story, the, the, the story. So it started with a God who created, who breathed, who spoke, and the world existed. It started with that God. And that God formed dust, you're here at the park, or looking, there's sand, there's dust, formed dust and breathed into it, and it became a man. And that same God took a woman, made a woman out of a man's rib. Stop. That God. Like, that's how powerful our God is. That he just speaks, and it is. That's how powerful he is. And then we fall short, and we sin. But that God sends his son into the world to die for us so that we would never be separated from him again. And that God gives us a choice today to choose him because he loves us. And that same God rose from the dead and is coming back again for us so that we would always be with him for eternity. That's the God that we serve. And this proves it all. Now, I just want to take a moment to think about that. And if that story didn't cause your heart to move in a way where you're just moved by his love for you, then friends, today, maybe we've allowed the cares of the world. Maybe we've just allowed life to stop us from really feeling what we should be feeling about our God. That love for him, the same love that we should be feeling for him today. And the only way to get that love going is through knowing him and keeping it fresh. And it's not easy. There's so many things that can distract us. And I, I have to admit, even like putting the sermon together, I was so convicted by the Lord. He was so sweet. The last two weeks have been so challenging. They've been really difficult. Work's been hard. And, you know, most of our life is spent working for a lot of us, right? And work's been hard. And I've just been, I was convicted last night where I was reading the end of Acts 2 and people were in awe of God. And I was like, am I in awe of you, God? Have I just allowed all of these things in life, life in general, to stop me from just loving you the way that you deserve to be loved? And I had to repent last night and just ask him, Lord, help me to love you. Help me to know you. Help me to be with you. Um, every day, not just part of the day, not just part of the week. And I think that's God's invitation to all of us today. Amen. 
kingdom of heaven is really exciting when we think about it. Like what we're really part of, God's kingdom is really exciting. And he's inviting us to be part of it. He's inviting us to tell more of the story, tell it through our lives, um, living it. We have a purpose and a mission, and we have a real enemy that wants us to be so caught up in our anxieties, to be caught up in our own things, to be caught up in daily life so that we forget who God is, and we try to do things on our own. And there is a real enemy out there because he knows the power of reading the Bible. He knows the power of knowing Jesus. He knows what that means. And if we as a community will commit our hearts to continue to know who Jesus is and know him by practically reading his word, then we're going to become powerful for the kingdom of God. So let's not abort our mission. Let's be purposeful. Hebrews 4, 12 to 16 says, The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So this word that we have, it's powerful. It has the ability to transform us like nothing else can. No other book can do that for us. The Bible can. And that's because it's about getting to know Jesus and his power. So we, when we study the word of God, here are some of the things that we receive. We receive a lot of things by studying the word of God. But here are some things that I felt like the Lord share, uh, shared with me to share with you today. One, it gives us purpose. It gives us direction on where to go. Like, our lives, each and every single person here, everyone, even the children running around. By the way, it was so cool to see. I don't know whose group of kids that was earlier, but they were gathering sticks. And I was like, yes, make a fire. Um, it's awesome. Um, so good job. But everybody, all of us, we all have a purpose. Um, each, every single one of us has a story that God wants to continue to write if we let him. And that's the, that's the biggest thing is about letting God do that in our lives. So Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if you're searching for direction, you can find it right here. You can find it in the word of God. Um, the second thing that it gives us is peace. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world does. So John 14, 26 to 27 says that. So Let's talk about anxiety for a little bit and stress here. Is that okay? <laughs> Some of us are laughing like, yeah. Okay, so uh, there's, there's a lot of stress and anxiety, right? I don't know about you, but I'll be honest. I feel it. Yeah? <sighs> yes, sister. Um, so I feel a lot of stress and anxiety, and I notice that when I'm not reading the Word and spending time with God, I become more anxious. And Nate was so kind to remind me of this <laughs> the other night. But it's so true is I become a different person when I am not in spending time with the Lord, when I'm not reading his word, um, because this is truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. And so the more that we spend time getting to know Jesus, to the time in his word, the, the more we change. Um, number three, prosperity. It gives us blessing. Um, and that's not always financial. It is, it can be, but it's not always financial. 
Um, John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Um, so I just want to share a quick story. Um, in 2006, um, I moved here from the Philippines and I had gone to school for business and politics and that's what I thought I was going to do with the rest of my life but God had a different story. And so um, when I moved here in 2006, I couldn't get a job. And um, in the Philippines, there's my sister over there, guys. She's like from the Philippines. I know, I, I had to, just quick embarrassment, I love you. It's all cause I love you. Um, but so in the Philippines, um, how our culture works is you go to school and depending on what school you go to and what degree you have, that defines your life, basically. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to business. This is what I'm going to do with my life. I was set on doing that. And God was like, whoop, nope, you're going this way. And I'm like, what? And it really came out of nowhere. Six months before I was due to graduate, my parents were like, we really want you to go to the U.S. And um, we want you to have a chance at a better life. And so I moved. And that was one of the hardest um, steps in, in my whole life to move all the way from the Philippines and come to the U.S. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, God wants me to like be successful in business and do all of that stuff. And that did not happen at all. It never happened the way that I thought it would. Um, so I ended up going into ministry school for a through a series of events. And I did ministry school for five years. And it led into 10 years. And um, it was during that time that I got to know who God was in a real way. I grew up in church my whole life. I served in various ministries, but I didn't have that closeness to God the way that I knew I could. And he had to take me all the way out of my comfort zone um, to come to the U.S. so that I could know him. And it was one of the most painful yet beautiful seasons in my whole life because God found me when I wasn't really searching for him. And um, I happen to be in business now, fast forward years later, and the Lord said to me, I brought you through that journey because I, want, I didn't want business to ruin you. I wanted you to be so wrapped up in me that wherever I call you and whatever I call you to do, that foundation is always going to be strong because it's about knowing me first. And so I just want to challenge us today, whatever direction God has for us, whatever mission that is, um, he has a purpose. And it could be on a complete detour, but go on that detour with God. It's worth it. So just some practical points, and then I'm going to turn it over to, to Nate. So how do we continue to be devoted to God um, one thing is to spend quiet time with him, to set aside purposeful time. Um, that's reading the Bible and getting to know him. Another thing is what we're doing today. Hey, go devoted ones in the park. Yeah. Um, but continue to do that. And this is, it's just, church is awesome. It's a great celebration of what God's doing. And it's great to get in community to hear what God is doing. But this is not the end. This is just the beginning. There's six other days in the week. And those six other days, we can continue to do church and celebrate and 
and get to know God. And this is just a celebration service of what God's doing. So don't let it just stay in church. Let church be every day. And the last point is connect groups or Bible studies. So I love our connect group. I go to JD and Loretta's connect group. Yeah. Um, And I love it. And I feel like God, when I hear about what God's doing in other people or how I can partner with other people when they're going through something and I can pray with them about it and believe with them for something, it changes me. Um, And so I really want to encourage us. That's how we get to know Jesus more is through each other as well, being in community, constant community with one another. Just like Jarrett said, especially when we don't feel like it, it's in those moments that God really transforms us. So I just want to encourage us today, continue to be devoted to Jesus, what he says, um, what he thinks, he's truth. Um, And let's live our life for him. Amen? Amen. She's great, isn't she? Man. <laughs> Everybody's still alive. Got the people on the outer rim there trying to get some sunshine if there is any. <laughs> it's great. I was up here in the front row and the wind was blowing against my face and tears were coming down my eyes and my body was shivering. I was thinking, oh, I'm must look like I'm really in the spirit of the Lord up here, crying, shivering, shaking. No, just frozen. <laughs> well, this is a, a really a, an awesome experience, I think, for me. I, I just love being out here and being in this place because I feel like it kind of takes away from all of maybe just um, maybe the fluff of kind of what Sunday services are. And it's, it is a blessing to be able to meet in a place as and I think being out here in the elements is kind of a great reminder of the blessing that we have to be able to meet in a building and in a place where we have heating and cooling and have food and fresh coffee all the time and child care and all that stuff. And such a blessing that the Lord has given us to be able to be there. But I think there's also something special just about being out here and just letting it be raw and just kind of like just talking about those elements. Um, so today I'm going to talk about prayer. Um, yeah, we got one, one prayer. Woo! <laughs> my fingers are frozen, so it might take me a, t- a second here to kind of flip through my my notes. But prayer has been um, a centerpiece in my life. It's been a it's really been a place of strength, um, no matter where I've at, where I've been, no matter what situation. So I was really excited actually to talk about prayer. Originally, Steph and I, I was going to talk about the Word, and she was going to talk about prayer, but we felt like she started talking about the Word, and I was like, man, why don't you just talk about the Word? <laughs> You're good at it. And so we switched it up, of course. And then prayer has just been really a, a big part of my life, and I think it's a, been a place of intimacy. It's been a place of relationship and commun- literally communion or communication with me and a living God. And so today, I just want to share with you some of the things that I'm, I'm taking away from this passage. And I think this passage out of Acts 2, 42, um, it really sets the stage, I think, for a revelation into each one of these principles. Previously to this, we had a group of believers that, or not believers, we had a group of Jewish people that um, they, they were seeking God, but it was an approval-based system. 
So there was, you know, there was, you had to do things in order to receive grace. You had to do things in order to receive forgiveness. There was sacrifice and all those things. And when you see salvation come into their life, Peter preaches the gospel to a group of people that had really just seen Jesus crucified. They had just heard about Jesus being crucified. You know, they knew the story. They approved of his crucifixion. So he's preaching them, and, and the conviction of the Lord falls on them in this moment. And all of a sudden, there's a revelation of who God is. And out of that revelation, salvation takes place. And what we have in 42 is really kind of the birth or the transformation of what that looks like. We have... Um, people devoted to one another. We have people devoted to prayer, people devoted to um, the Word and reading the Word. And I think previously before that, devotion had just been maybe out of religious duty. But all of a sudden, this freedom enters their heart. Their, the grace and the love of God enters their, heart, enter their, enters their heart. And all of a sudden, there's just this freedom to do those things without necessarily gaining something back. And it's, I believe, a, a transformation that takes place in all of us. All of us but when we, before we come to the Lord, there's just this need for approval of men, approval of God, there, or a lack of approval, and all of a sudden, grace enters our life, and we are free to love in a different way. Um, and I think, uh, I think it's just an amazing, uh, really kind of just an amazing revelation into this passage, into even our own lives. Uh, when we receive God's salvation, we are stepping into an infinite amount of God's grace and love. And I think that one of... The, the greatest human needs is love, is to be loved by, by God or just to receive love. And when we receive love, we're now, operate, we're now free to operate differently than we had before. And I think love fuels devotion. And devotion was, when I read this passage, um, devotion was probably the thing, the word that I pulled out the most from it. Um, there's things that we do, but all of a sudden there's this devotion that it takes place. I'll read it again for us. Acts 2.42 says, um, I'll back up to 40, 40. It says, With many words he preached and warned them, or Peter preached and warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And so devotion was really the thing, the word that stood out to me, is all of a sudden there's this devotion that took place to the Lord, and it wasn't necessarily out of duty, but it was rather out of love. And I believe that love fuels devotion. Um, I love my wife, so I'm devoted to her. Or I'm devoted to her because I love my wife. Or I'm devoted to my family because I love them. I devoted to my community because I love them. So I think love is really the place of devotion. It's really what fuels devotion in our lives. And so you see this new transformation of love that takes place in their lives. I think the challenge that many of us might face, if you've been a believer for some time, um, is that remaining in that love, remaining in that place of love, um, Sometimes when we become free to love, there's, there's, I think our hearts and our lives can get full of many different things, many different loves. And I think if you don't keep that relationship at the center, what happens? That re, what happens between you and God, that, that, that love, that time spent with Him um, just becomes an inconvenience. It just becomes something that you do. And all of a sudden we're taken back into this place of religious duty versus really loving the Lord. And that love driving our devotion for Him, that love driving our devotion in the Word, that love driving our devotion to fellowship and have community with other people or to pray with one another. 
that thing just kind of becomes a religious religious duty. And one example I, I thought of is, you know, I think when before if you're dating someone and and before you get married, um, when you go on a date, it's like a serious thing. You know, it's like what what might just be coffee and stuff all of a sudden turns out to be like a boat ride under the stars in the lake. And I, I was thinking of real, realistically, like I used to take stuff out like on the lakes here in Orlando and on our little like John boat. And we'd go out there and we, you know, watch the stars and talk about life and stuff like that. And then I was the Lord. And it was kind of a convicting moment. I was like the Lord, he was like, you don't do that enough for stuff anymore. And I was like, you're right, Lord, I don't. <laughs> Dates have become like coffee and just going out for, you know, dinner or going to a movie. But I think that that's how sometimes we can treat our relationship with the Lord is it just becomes kind of this matter of fact type of thing, thing that we do for maintenance. And it doesn't become this place of adventure with the Lord. It doesn't become this place of like intimate relationship. And I think the other danger that we can have is that in the name of religion, we end up throwing out the, those practices and throwing out those devotions those things that we knew that our father, our grandfather, all my papers are flying away, um, those things that our grandparents did in the past. And we've seen, if you've know, if you been a part of church for a while, if you've been a believer, and even if you haven't, you've seen kind of abuses of leadership or you've seen abuses in the church and things that have hurt you, you've experienced hurts. And I think in the name of religion and pushing religion away, we've pushed away some of those devo- the devotions and those principles that really sustain our walk with the Lord. And I think the temptation is to view the disciplines and practices of devotion as really fake religious activities that only take some value when we're in a pinch and we're in a bind. bind. Like going to people only when we're in trouble or going to the Lord only when we're in trouble or reading the Word only when we're in trouble because outside of that it feels like, well, it's just a religious duty. You know, it's just something that I have to do. But I think when love and relationship and intimacy with the Father and with Jesus enters our life, that it fuels this place of devotion that keeps us going, that we'll say that dating relationship takes on a whole new sense of adventure. Um, even in your prayer life, it takes on a whole new, a whole new meaning to have community and, com- and communion with the Lord versus a, a duty-formed uh, kind of conversation. Amen? I'd like to think of relationship and prayer almost synonymous, and I think um, relationship with God puts us in a position of strength to face temptations that draw us away from truth about who God is and who we are. So I have kind of just, I want to talk about two different aspects of prayer. And one is really intimacy and the other is corporate prayer. So first I'm going to start off by reading Matthew 26, 36 through 42. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. Matthew 26. If your fingers work still, mine are, mine are going a little slow. <clears throat> Matthew 26, 36 through 42. Just kind of an amazing story of, about prayer and God's relationship um, with his disciples. Let's see. 36 through 42. All right, it says, and this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said, and he said to them, sit, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. 
and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, take this cup. Uh, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but your, but your will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for an hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is, is willing, but the body is weak. And I think, I think it's a really kind of a great example of uh, how intimacy with the Lord, when he draws us into his vision, when he draws us into his intimacy, that there's this strength that takes place, that gives us strength, like prayer gives us strength. It's, it's this place of kind of vitalization where God's calling us into his vision. He's calling us into the thing that he's watching, that he's looking at. Just like he's praying with the disciples here, he calls them in. He draws them into this, this really this intimate place of where he's like, I'm sorrowful. You see the very emotion of God where he's like, I am so sorrowful, or emotion of Christ. You see, he's like, I'm so full of sorrow that it's like at the point of death. Will you keep watch with me? And that's where I think that you, when you're in prayer, you grasp kind of like the relationship in the emotion that God has in those moments, and you begin to partner with him. But that takes intimacy. Just like for me to understand what's going on in Steph's life, I have to spend time with her. There has to be this intimate relationship that takes place. There has to be this kind of communion of conversation where she reveals what's on her heart, and I reveal what's on my heart, and we do what it is that God's called us to do together. And I believe that that's an example of what prayer is like in an intimate way with the Father or with Christ, is that he's leading you into this place of like, look, this is what's on my heart. I want this to be on your heart too. Will you receive this from me? Come keep watch over this, over this, over this thing with me or whatever it is, but there's this place of strength that comes from that. The temptation, just like the disciples had, is to turn away from the Lord during trouble. And I think that that's all of our temptation. It's that when faced with trouble, we want to like run away or run from the Lord. When we've fallen into sin, we want to run from the Lord. And that's the temptation that Christ is talking about here when he's talking to the disciples. He's saying, look, pray so you don't fall into the temptation. He saw what was coming. He saw like, hey, soldiers are coming, they're going to take me away. And the temptation for you will be to turn away from me in that moment. When I don't fulfill the thing that you think that I am, when I don't do the thing that you want me to do, the temptation is to turn away from me in that moment. And he's saying, but when you're in relationship with me, when you're in communion with me, when you're in intimacy with me, you begin to understand and grasp the things that I have that are in my heart. You begin to see me for who I am. Not just what you think I, you know, think I am, but you begin to see me for who I truly am. And so in my own life, that's just been a place of like, I know that there's many times when um, I've been in situations. I know there was, a, there was a, a time in my life when I was just really disappointed with where I was at. I was disappointed. Um, it was before I had met Steph. Um, I was confused about my vision for life. I was confused about kind of just like who I was. And I was really disappointed in God. I was disappointed because things weren't working out the way that I thought that they were. At the time, I wasn't married. I wasn't doing the job that I wanted to do. And I remember like, just kind of coming to this place of like, Lord, I'm just disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in life. And the temptation for me in that moment was really to turn away from the Lord. I remember having a conversation with him. Like, I was really so angry with him and so angry with the situation 
that it was like, I just want to like give up. I just want to give up on this walk and this journey with you. But I can't deny who you are. And that was because of intimacy with him. When I came into the, I couldn't deny, no, because I had walked with him, I couldn't deny knowing who he was, regardless if it didn't fit what it is that I thought I wanted it to be, or even my own life. So I think even in the darkest moments of your life, even in trials, even in the temptations, it's that intimacy with him that carries you through. I like what Steph said. It's like, it's that awe. It's that understanding of, wow, Lord, you are so great and you are so majestic. That's what, and you might be going through the worst of moments, but that thing is carrying you through that, that time. Amen? In intimacy, there's trust and there's, there's strength. So number two, corporate prayer. And corporate prayer releases the power of God. Back at Acts 2, I love when it says, it says they, they devoted themselves to prayer and the breaking of bread. There's a combination there, prayer and the breaking of bread. So I think like in community, what Jared is talking about, if you're not in community and fellowship with people, it's very difficult to know how to pray into their lives. And that there's a part of that. There's a part of prayer that's not just for yourself and just for intimacy, but it's this place of community. It's this place of praying into something else, something that, that God has not just for yourself, but for your community and for your church and for your neighbors. Even when Jesus was in the garden and he's calling Peter and James and John into that, that place of intimacy, he calls them together. And he's like, come with me together. You even see the picture of corporate prayer in that place. He's like, look, this is what the Lord is. About. This, is a, this is something incredible the Lord's about to do. I need you all to come in with me. I need those that are close to me to come in, with, come in close to me and just kind of break, pray into this. Um, one really awesome story, great example of this is out of Acts chapter 12, 517. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Move our fingers a little bit again. Warm them back up. <clears throat> Acts chapter 12. And this is a story about um, Peter's miraculous escape from prison. And I'll start, I'll start with verse 5. Um, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him and said, Quick, get up. He said, The chains fell off Peter's wrist. And then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing or what was really happening, for he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel just left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who's also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhonda came, came and answered the door. 
When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed, and she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. They said to her, you're out of your mind. (laughs) When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But Peter Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. The part that I actually like about this passage, um, as you see in the beginning, they're all praying for Peter. The church is praying for, them for this situation. But it's the fact that like they doubted. They, they doubted in that moment. And it was the revelation or the, this moment where this girl sees Peter at the door that she comes in. She's like, look, the prayer's answered. And I think that's like kind of a, an example. A lot of times we go into prayer with other people, and we even bring our own doubts into that situation. We think we're praying for this because we believe it and we know that it's right. But some of us might bring doubt. And what I love is that she's like, she's like, no, the prayer is answered. It's answered. And they're like, no. You know, so I, I think it's an awesome picture of corporate prayer because I think that sometimes we need to come in and bear one another's burdens in prayer. Bear, bear the things that are going on. Bear our own doubts. One thing that I saw in this, this passage was that it's the mother of Mark and Mark wasn't it? Oh, no, that was Thomas. I was thinking doubting Thomas. I was like, it's like a generational type thing. (laughs) But uh, doubt can sometimes often just cloud us from seeing, um, having faith in what God does. And when we come together, that's one of the things I love really about Connect Group, is that when you're in Connect Group and you're sharing the things that God is putting on your heart, you're sharing your own requests, you're sharing the things that are hurting, things that you're going through. It's like you all come together. And you can believe and you can pray into something. But sometimes we have doubts when we come into that place. Uh, one story that the Lord reminded me of when I was putting this together was kind of a picture, I think, of that. As there was one time I was, many years ago, I was um, diving with a friend. And we were out diving for fish. And we were on this reef. And it was just us two on this huge reef. There was nobody else out there. And it was a really dangerous spot. But we had been there many times before. And um as we were diving there, we kind of got separated, and he was off to my right, and I had gone kind of towards the shoreline. There was this really dangerous channel in the reef where the current was real strong. It was almost like a river. It was so, so strong, and the waves had come up over the reef, and they would filter into this channel, and he had been on the edge of that reef, and he had he got caught in the current, and I remember kind of scampering up on the beach and looking back, and all of a sudden, I see him. He's like way out. He's like where he shouldn't be. He's in like the dangerous zone, and I hear him yelling, help, help, help. And so I threw all my stuff, except for my spear gun, I threw all my stuff on the beach, and I, I dove out there, and I swam as fast as I could. And he, he was a really strong guy. He, like, worked out constantly, but the current was just incredible. And so I went over, I swam over next to him. I just got into the current with him. And I swam over next to him. We locked arm in arm like that. And so he's next to me, and we're, we're just start paddling as hard as we can. We're paddling together. And um, I had taken the, the end of my, my spear gun. I had hooked it on the rocks, and we were just holding on, literally, as the current's, like, gushing against us. So we're holding on to the rocks, and every time the current would slow down, we'd, we'd paddle real hard. We'd paddle for them, and we'd grab onto the next one until we finally made it back to safety. And I think that, in a sense, that's kind of an idea of corporate prayer. It's like sometimes we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but we get caught in the current, and there's just situational things that happen. And you need somebody to come alongside of you in that moment where you're, you're, you're afraid. You might lose your life. There's things that are happening, things that are happening in your family. But when you have that person that comes alongside of you and is believing for the same thing that you're believing, it gives you so much faith and so much courage. 
<clears throat> I love what it says in Psalm 133. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. I thought of the kind of the example in a sense of almost like a football team. You know, sometimes if you have, if you were a quarterback and you're on the field and you're facing off against other people, the other team, if you were just out there by yourself, you'd feel pretty intimidated about trying to win the game. But if you, when you come together as a team and you're on the same mission, you're on the same direction, uh, there's just this courage that can overwhelm whatever the situation that it is that you're in. I think that's just kind of a picture of corporate prayer for us. It's this team element that it's, gives us courage no matter what we're facing when other people come alongside of us. But um, Matthew 18.20 says, where two or three are gathered, I will be in their midst. And I think that's just a perfect picture of what you see this, you know, in Acts 42 and all of these devotions that we're talking about. Is that You see God in the midst of them. You see God in the midst of them in a personal relationship, whether it's prayer or corporate prayer. You see God in the midst of fellowship with one another, breaking of bread. And God becomes kind of the centerpiece of the center focal point. Um, his love for us and His love in our life becomes the focal point of, of what He's doing in us and then how it transforms our own community. Amen? Well, I hope this wasn't kind of a, a heavy day or heavy things. I hope you feel encouraged by all these things. Why don't we stand up and we'll pray. We'll start moving. We'll do our jumping jacks. I want to encourage us, you know, on these different things that um, it might be kind of a you know, a different situation being out here in the open, but just some of the things that Jared challenged me. I was really challenged by what Jared said just about not even cleaning your house, but just letting the element of inviting people over become the heart of what it is. You know, I'm always worried about like, it's got to be perfect, you know, or some of the things that Steph said about just remaining, let the awe of the Lord overwhelm you so that it drives you to the scriptures. You know, when you're curious, like I'm always on probably like, online looking up something about something. Steph's always like, you have so much like random information that you know about things. It's because I'm like curious about the world, you know, it's like, and I think that, you know, let's let our awe and inspiration of God drive us to the Word. Let's let our desire for relationship with Him drive us into prayer. Let it, let it be that place where we're seeking the Lord and let Him become the centerpiece of what it is that we do in our life day to day. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for being able to be here and just really worship you and grow, Lord God. We thank you for challenging us a little bit with this cold weather. Lord, we just pray that your blessing would be on all of us, Lord God, as we just like look at you, as we as we seek you, Lord God, that you would become the centerpiece of our heart, that relationship would establish, Lord, in our lives as we seek you in prayer, Lord, as and then as we would, we would draw other people around us, that we wouldn't be afraid to open up our hearts, our our doubts, our our worries, our concerns with one another, but we would share those burdens with one another, Lord God, and we would take them to you. Lord God, we just pray for a spirit of fellowship and community to be even on us today, even in the midst of this cool weather. If people are staying for a picnic or if they're hanging out or even if they're going out for lunch, Lord God, that there would just be a spirit of fellowship that that falls over us in this coming season, Lord God, especially in the holidays, that our home and our hearts would be open to people. Lord God, that we'd be an example of true community, an example of true fellowship with one another. And I just pray also, Lord God, that 
um, just from the things that Steph challenges, challenged us with, Lord, that there would be an awe, Lord God, as we look at you, as we see you, Lord God, that there would just be an amazing inspiration that would drive us to the word to know more about you, that you'd become the centerpiece in the sense of our life, You that love for you would drive devotion to you. It wouldn't just be a bunch of religious practices, Lord God, or times when, that went, when we doubt, Lord God, that we go to you, but it would become a regular place where our love for you, Father and Lord, just drives us towards you, drives us to you, and drives us to your arms. And so I thank you for this community, Lord. I bless them. I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you for your blessing over our lives. In your name I pray. Amen.